and welcome back to the Unqualified Historian, the podcast that's basically history for those who know nothing about history, like me, Becca. So just to preface this episode, I do have a cold. My voice is now as good as it's going to get for the foreseeable future, so please do bear with me. I've listened to it back, it doesn't sound too bad on recording, I think it sounds either worse in real life or just in my own head. But yeah, please bear with me on that one. So, today we're going to be going back to the lost city of Atlantis. Is it real? Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did it come from? Can I If you've listened to my previous podcast, you'll know that through some server issues, I lost an entire podcast and my research as well. So, this is actually my second shot at Atlantis. I'm really hopeful that I've made it even better this time, but I'm missing stuff from the first one and I can't work out what it is. So I'm really annoyed, but we move. So everything I knew about Atlantis was from the Disney film. I rewatched it in the name of research, of course, and it actually looks like it's based on my favourite theory, which I will delve into later. Um, I also like to imagine that the sunken Atlantis is like the Little Mermaid, where they're all just swimming about. Hang a minute, wait a minute, is that Atlantis? They live in Atlantis. Is it called Atlantis and the Little Mermaid? King Triton, but where's Poseidon? I don't understand. Um, anyway, that's what I think Atlantis is like now. It's full of mer people. Anywho, let's go on to the, the real facts. Okay, the real facts. The first person in history to mention Atlantis is Plato. Now, for those of you who don't know, Plato was a Greek philosopher born in about 428 BC and he lived until he was 80. That is amazing innings for back then. Like, the Greeks know what they're doing, don't they, when it comes to health and long lives. Anyway, Plato was born in Athens and he was from an aristocratic family. His father traces ancestry from the king of Athens, Codrus who was said to be descended from Poseidon. And his mother's family were descended from Solon, who was an Athenian lawmaker. Plato was a student of Socrates, another philosopher, and Plato taught Aristotle. So basically just a chain of great philosophers, knocking about. Plato founded the first what we now know as a university, called the Academy. And he was also one of the the first the first philosophers to write anything down. So he wrote down a lot of Socrates' teachings. By the way, totally Google the Academy if you've never seen it before, because it is beautiful. Like, I know here in the UK we have some really nice university buildings, but this is something else. And my God, if it is not the Greekest thing I've ever seen. Like, if I went to university in Greece, I would be pissed if it didn't look like that. And I'm sure a lot of them don't. If they have many, I don't know. Plato was renowned for teaching philosophy through dialogues. So basically one man shows monologues. He wrote two dialogues, Timaeus and Crucius. So there are two different origins of the story. And I think it basically because Plato contradicts himself within the dialogues. So one of the versions is that Plato went to Sicily and he tried to help create some laws there. But he they were they were like... Go away, mate. Fuck off. We ain't having none of this. Like, jog on. So he wasn't successful there. So 
Instead, he came back and over dinner bored his friends to death with his ideas and his ideal utopia and what that would look like, blah, 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 blah. Then he thinks, wait a minute, I need to write this down. So he writes these dialogues and names them after Timaeus and Cretius, which is the least he can do for I'm sure boring. I don't know. Maybe he was super articulate and he's fascinating to listen to, probably. But in my head, it would be boring. The other theory is that Plato's ancestor, Solon, passed down the story. So Solon liked to seek knowledge and at the time, Egypt had the best records. So off Solon went to Egypt and there he met an Egyptian priest called Sanchez. And Sanchez said to Solon, come to this temple and look at these pictures. So he took Solon to the Neath Temple of Sai to show him some hieroglyphics and Sanchez translated to them to information about a civilization that was lost under the water. Incidentally, the Neath Temple of Sai also sank. Um, it sank in the swamplands upon it was built. So we can't excavate it because apparently it's really dangerous to try and excavate in swamplands. So, yeah, in the dialogues, Plato directly contradicts himself. One minute he says, it's a memory from the character. Then he says the character was reading Solon's notes. So, who knows? And the story itself, there were different versions, but I'm assuming that these are from different translations. So, I'm just going to go over the bits that most people agree on. So, the story of Atlantis is that Poseidon, the Greek god, fell in love with a beautiful human. And so, you know, this ain't very common. And Poseidon decides that he wants to protect his human lover slash wife. And he carves the mountain where the human lives into a beautiful palace. And around this palace, he encloses it with three circular moats, each of an increasing width to protect her or control her. You know, that's what it sounds like to me. So Poseidon and his human wife, Clito, 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 Poseidon and his wife, they had five pairs of male twins. The eldest of these was Atlas and he was made the rightful king of the entire island and instantly the ocean was named the Atlantic Ocean in his honour. The other siblings were given different parts of the island. The first ring of the island was where the religious sector was. The second was where the army and the navy lived and the third ring was where the common folk lived. So each passage to the city was guarded by gates and towers and there was a wall surrounding each ring of the city. The walls were constructed of red, white and black rock quarried from the moats. The Atlanteans had a great army that was excellent at navigating the seas. And they were just having a lovely time. They were living in this beautiful utopia where everyone was happy. There was loads of food. Everything was lush and beautiful. They were just having a lovely time. But as they were out conquering their lands on their little boats, they started to get a bit greedy and a little bit corrupt. And they just wanted more and more and more. And in the end, they challenged Athens to war. And the Athenians had been out conquering to the east while the Atlanteans had been going to the west. But the Atlanteans lost. Now this is where it gets a bit hazy, so I'm going to go with the story of Poseidon being pissed and causing an earthquake which sends a tsunami to sink Atlantis. That's what I'm going with, but... They were happy, they lived in these circles, 
the challenge Athens, Athens wins, are underwater. That's the gist. So Aristotle, Plato's student, is well-renowned for having very cause-and-effect-based philosophy. And so because of this, loads of historians hold him in high regard. And he says Plato made up the tale just to teach philosophy. So there's that. And basically because of the, like, contradictions within the dialogues itself, like, people are really just, like, quick to dismiss these as just fiction. But this story is one of the greatest stories of all time and, like, far beyond its years with what he's saying. Like, it's way more detailed than what I've gone through. So it must have been inspired by something, surely. Well, let's look into the potential theories. The most likely explanation, in my opinion, is Hiliki, a lost Greek city that suffered a fate like Atlantis. Hiliki was a very powerful city. It had colonies, much like Atlantis, and they worshipped Poseidon, by the looks of it. It had a prominent statue of Poseidon, and he featured on their coins as well. So, in the December of 373 BC, the townspeople noticed that the animals were scurrying for the hills. It was suspicious, and sure enough, an earthquake came in the night which caused a tsunami, and the city was submerged immediately. So, Heliki was in a unique area because it was the source of three rivers, and... Each of these three rivers had a different type of water in it. So like salt water, fresh water, whatever the other kind of water is. Um, it had really rich land for crops because there was a volcano nearby. And it was on the meat of two fault lines. So that's a recipe for disaster really. I mean cracking for water and food but not so great for the earthquakes. So when the earthquake happened and the tsunami came, as it started to recede, the rivers brought through loads of silt and Hiliki was covered up over the centuries. It's said though to begin with, while it was initially under the water, the water was so clear that when they did their rescue mission, they could just, they could see everything. Um, and you could see stuff for quite a long time, which is why it's really well documented. So, one day, a German archaeologist found a Hiliki coin, and they were like, ooh, what's this? And this prompted the excavation of the site. Archaeologists went to discover Hiliki, expecting it to be like Pompeii, buried in time, but they found five other settlements. Five other settlements, one on top of the other. How exciting, that must be an archaeologist's dream. Which, incidentally, how good of a job would being an archaeologist be? just you just excited all the time like it's a proper passion isn't it you're just there digging you're like oh my god what is this what could this be i don't get that in my day job i'm telling you that now anyway so they found five other settlements alongside Haliki. so the first settlement they believe to be from 200 ad to the 15th century the second was from the second to the fourth ad um so roman times it features a roman road even then it would be Hiliki, then 2600 to 2300 BC, so the Bronze Age, and then prehistoric Neolithic, possibly as old as 12,000 years. And they found buildings, kilns, looms, streets, jugs, all that stuff. Like, I just, what I don't understand is why this stuff isn't news. Like, this is interesting. Why is that not news back in when it was excavated? Like, be like, oh my God, look at this. How cool is this? This is probably what Atlantis is based on. Let's put that to bed. Anyway, another theory is that it's the Ricard structure in Mauritania, which is 
and then each other wheat. Northwestern Africa, like in the Sahara, I think. I've forgotten now. This is embarrassing. Anyway, Ricard structure, Mauritania. So there's a man called Herodotus, and he is known as the father of history because he wrote a book called The Histories. And the histories documented the Greco-Persian War. It's said that he made a map over 2,600 years ago, and on it was a place labelled Atlantis, which is where the Ricard structure would be today. So the Ricard structure was discovered in 1965 from space, incidentally. It looks just like an eye. If you Google it, it's, very, it's, it's weird. It's eerie. It's about 30 miles with a 20-mile-wide ring feature around it. And if you look on YouTube, people have done calculations that make the physical size and geography of Atlantis fit each other. They've also done, like, flood maps to show at the time where the level of the land would have been and how it would have flooded if it did flood and how the water rescinding from Atlantis, how it was described by Plato, has made the exact same shape as the Ricard structure. Like, honestly, it is fascinating. You will go down a rabbit hole. Like, blows my mind how people work this stuff out. I don't want to get into it. Because, you know, plagiarism. But also, I'm really bad at math. So if I tried to repeat any of it, the numbers would just get beyond me and we would all just be super confused. There's also red and white and black stone at the Ricard structure. They found fresh water in the middle of the structure and there was supposed to be a well in Poseidon's temple. So, you know, that marries up. There's also shells in the sand. Which, how did they get that? I don't understand. But, unfortunately, this has been debunked, pretty much. There's no evidence Herodotus actually made a map. It's likely that this was created later, based on what he wrote. He's never actually mentioned Atlantis. And it's recently been theorised that the molten rock pushed to the surface when the supercontinent was pulled apart. But it didn't break the surface and it collapsed, creating the rings. So that's how the feature itself is actually made. And there's no evidence of there being like a King Atlas documented or anything. So it's a shame, but we move on to the next theory. Now, this is my favourite theory because it involves aliens. And I love a, I love an alien theory. So, the theory goes, the galactic powers that be settled on Earth and using their vibrations and their crystals, they created Atlantis. The land already existed, it was at the mouth of the Atlantic Ocean, but they made the city. The soil was rich because it was volcanic and so Atlantis was lush and abundant with crops and wildlife. They used energy from sunlight and crystals to power the city and there was no waste because they could just disintegrate it and they enjoyed celebrations of themselves and earth they had higher consciousness telepathic powers magic healing powers and they were there having a great time living in their blissful beautiful utopia so if you google um atlantis mummy <laughs> There are these photos, so say, that the Smithsonian Museum have taken of the mummified bodies from Atlantis. They're said to be 11 feet tall. Um, but you can't find the mummies anywhere, obviously. Um, and that's because apparently the Smithsonian part of the Illuminati say that's why they're hidden now. Because um, the Illuminati are something to do with aliens and, you know, 
sweep that under the carpet. The Atlanteans were either destroyed because one of the priests had fallen prey to sinister extraterrestrials that were basically the devil on his shoulder being like, your iron's so much better than everyone else. You should rule over everyone. And then it started a war. Or the other theory is that they started to turn against Mother Nature by cloning nuclear weapons, creating a hybrid, which apparently is how we got the Yeti and the mermaids. And then Mother Nature was like, no. And extincted them extincted them that's not a word smited them smote them smote them what's that from shrek anyway that's i love that theory so much um and the theory that leads on from this is that this is why we have the bermuda triangle because it's caused by the power from the crystals of atlantis under the sea oh i love that There's also a theory that Atlantis is actually in Antarctica. So Antarctica used to be more northern. And when it shifted down the earth, it buried a city under the ice. Which, are you even allowed to go to Antarctica? Because maybe that's why. Can you go to... Okay, so you can go to Antarctica. Just a limited amount of people are allowed to visit due to conservation reasons or so they say anyway another more sensible theory is the minoan civilization so very similar to hiliki um like a city that was buried so archaeologists found a palace in crete and when it was excavated they found pictures of bulls everywhere which you know in greek mythology bull minotaur and the minotaur is poseidon's son apparently So they connected that to being Atlantis and Poseidon's home. And the theory here is actually a volcanic eruption caused earthquakes and tsunamis burying the city forever. So those are just a handful of the thousands of theories about Atlantis. Personally, I like the aliens one because I... I just love a conspiracy theory that doesn't hurt anyone. Like, do you know what I mean? Like... Me going to someone and saying, I think Atlantis was from aliens. That doesn't harm anyone. That's not ruining anyone's reputation. That's not scaremongering or anything. It's just, that's a nice little theory. And I like it. And I'm choosing to go with that one. And now it's under the sea with mer people swimming around. That's my theory. There's like, who is to say as well, we're the first civilization to use technology. There definitely could have been more before us that wiped out. So, you know, the most logical reason is obviously Haliki, but that's boring. So I'm going to skip over that one. <clears throat> so if you don't think I'm completely crazy, then please do tune into next week's episode where we will be much more grounded and we'll be delving into the brief history. It's not brief because his history was brief. I've briefed it because there's so much history about this man, Napoleon Bonaparte. Um, yeah, there's a just a little teaser for you about how excellent my friend's pronunciation is going to be throughout my episode. So congratulations. I bet you can't wait to listen to that now. Um, and if you are listening, which I know some of you are, please do leave me a review. And so if there's anything that you particularly like or you particularly hate about my podcast, I can take it and just throw it in the bin. 
Thanks for listening. Bye.